1: johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date. By reading Life in Naples, the website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance, Katie Gorkas with the Heritage Foundation, will be talking about the Great Parent Revolt, Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government, and Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, will be joining us as well. It is August the nineteenth, and on this day in eighteen twelve, during the War of eighteen twelve, the U.S. frigate Constitution defeated the British frigate Guerriere in a furious engagement off the coast of Nova Scotia. Witnesses claim that the British ship merely bounced shot, merely bounced off the Constitution's sides as if the ship were made of iron rather than wood. By the war's end, Old Ironsides destroyed or captured seven more British ships. The success of the U.S.S. Constitution against the supposedly Invincible, Royal Navy provided a tremendous boost in morale for the young American Republic. The Constitution was one of six frigates that Congress requested to be built in 1794 to help protect American merchant fleets from the attacks by Barbary pirates and harassment by British and French forces. It was constructed in Boston. The bolts fastened in its timbers and copper sheathing were provided by the industrialist and patriot Paul Revere. Launched on uh, October twenty-first, 1797, the Constitution was 204 feet long, displaced 2,200 tons, and was rated as a 44 gun frigate, although many times it carried 50 guns. July 1798, it was put to sea with a crew of 450 and cruised to the West Indies, protecting U.S. ships from French privateers. In 1803, President Thomas Jefferson ordered the American warship to the Mediterranean to fight Barbary pirates off the coast of Tripoli. The vessel performed commendably during those conflicts, and in 1805, a peace treaty with Tripoli was signed on the Constitution's deck. When war broke out with Britain in uh, June 1812, the Constitution was commanded by Isaac Hall, who served as lieutenant on the ship during the Tripolian War. Scarcely a month later, on July the 16th, the Constitution encountered a squadron of five British ships off Egg Harbor, New Jersey. Finding itself surrounded, the Constitution was preparing to escape when suddenly the wind died, With both sides dead in the water, they called that in irons, uh, and just out of gunnery range, a legendary slow-speed chase ensued. For 36 hours, the Constitution's crew kept their ship just ahead of the British by towing the frigate with rowboats and tossing their ship's anchor ahead of the ship and then reeling it in. At dawn on July the 18th, a breeze sprang, and the Constitution was far enough ahead of its pursuers to escape by sail. One month later, on August the 19th, the Constitution caught the British warship here alone, about 600 miles east of Boston. After considerable new maneuvering, the Constitution delivered its first broadside, and for 20 minutes, the American and British vessels bombarded each other in close invasion. The British man-of-war was demasted and rendered a wreck, while the Constitution escaped with only minimal damage. The unexpected victory of Old Ironsides gave the British frigate, uh, helped unite America against the fr- British frigate, helped unite America behind the war effort, and made Commander Hull a national hero. The Constitution went on to defeat or capture seven more British ships in the War of 1812 and ran the British blockade of Boston twice. In 1855, the Constitution retired from active military service, but the famous vessel continued to serve at the United States, first as a training ship and then later as a touring national landmark. And my office, actually. I looked out over the Constitution for several years uh, in Boston when I was working there. And uh, what a remarkable ship, the Constitution. Democrat lawmakers from Florida attacked Governor Ron DeSantis for his handling of COVID-19 and the pandemic during a surge of the Delta variant, even as the Republican chief executive opened new centers to assist parents with free cutting-edge antibody treatments. He prohibited uh, schools from imposing mask mandates and with the Democrats said it was the wrong approach. Democrats also criticized DeSantis for preventing private businesses from requiring patrons to show proof of vaccination. Today is the first day of school in Broward County and yet DeSantis is willing to leave our children, faculty, and staff in harm's way with his COVID quackery. Democrat-Representative Republican uh, Representative Demi- Debbie Wasserman Schultz <laughs> as uh, uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz uh, said on a press conference on Wednesday, as uh, Rush used to say, he called it Debbie Blabbermouth Schultz. It said before that the last two weeks just confirmed it for me. The governor is not protecting Florida from public health thre- threat. He is a public health threat himself. How many records does Florida need to break before the governor takes his job and pandemic seriously? How many children, staff, and teachers need to get sick or die until he stops pandering to the COVID conspiracy crowd, she added. Uh, While Democrats ganged up on the governor, DeSantis on Wednesday visited one of the new treatment sites his administration is open to provide monoclonal antibody treatments to COVID patients in an effort to hasten their recovery and avoid hospitalization. He used Twitter to decry efforts to politicize the pandemic. Those who try to politicize the COVID treatments are doing a disservice to those who may be deterred from seeking life-saving treatments, he tweeted. Monoclonal antibody treatments have a proven record of reducing the need for hospitalization and are available free of charge to patients, he said. Democrat Charles Christ, Charlie Christ, he's running for governor again, uh, argued that DeSantis is spending too much time post-positioning himself for the 2024 presidential election during the pandemic. Uh, Chameleon. Charlie Christ is a chameleon. It's unbelievable that he uh, abandons his responsibility as chief executive officer of our state in pursuit of the Republican nomination for president. He said in a press call, "It's appalling to me. This kind of rank ambition is not what we need." Said Chris. Anyhow, uh, what uh, I believe the Sanders is doing is brilliant. Uh, he's basically saying he's giving us a choice. He's encouraging us to get vaccinated, but if you don't get if you get vaccinated or don't get vaccinated, if you get sick, these uh, anti-clonal antibodies will be very helpful. These are put out by, I forget the name of the company, but in any event, uh, they're quite effective. President Trump took them, many others have, and uh, it's a great therapeutic uh, for coronavirus. While well, President Joe Biden continued to struggle with his response to the uh, crisis in Afghanistan after days of hunkering down and seemingly waiting for a storm to blow over, faced with an outcry from the press over the president's unwillingness to answer questions about the chaotic conclusion of the 20-year war in Afghanistan, Biden did an interview with ABC News host George Stepanopoulos at the White House to defend his actions. The interview was the first time Biden took questions about the crisis but he did not appear very prepared. Biden snapped at Stanopoulos for uh, asking about Afghan people rushing a plane as it took off on the runway in in, uh, Kabul, some even falling to their deaths as it took off. That was four or five days ago, Biden replied sharply when asked about the images, trying to dismiss them entirely. In fact, however, the incident occurred only two days ago, which Stepanopoulos did not press him on for some reason. When asked about what he thought about the images, Biden replied that he, react, that he reacted by wanting the military to get the control of the situation, avoiding any sense of emotion about the scenes that shocked the world. What I was, he w- uh, we have to gain control of this, he said. We have to move more quickly. We have to move in a way in which we can take control of the airport. And we did, he said. When asked, uh, Stephanopoulos asked if he could have handled the situation better, Biden denied it. I I don't think so. I could have been handled in a way that, while we're going back to in hindsight and look, but in the idea that somehow there's a way that we could have gotten out of this without chaos ensuing, I don't know how that could happen, he said. The president also appeared defiant against his critics in the interview, asking his decision to withdraw from the Afghanistan a simple choice rather than a task that he and his team could have planned and executed much better. When you look at what happened over the last week, what it was a failure of intelligence, planning, execution, or judgment, Stepanopoulos asked. Look, it was a simple choice, George Biden said, arguing that he could have either stayed true to the withdrawal date of August 31st or extended it further with more troops. But in recent days, Biden has already deployed 6,000 troops to Afghanistan to help facilitate the evacuation process as the security situation in the city has collapsed. All of the conciliatory messages he shared with the public during his speech at the White House on Monday melted away. He, this is just an absolute travesty. He doesn't seem to see, or at least he's defined about, the fact that, first of all, he could have left the military there to get all the citizens out, destroyed or carried the equipment back to the United States. What a loss. And Now these, uh, the Taliban has all this equipment that they can use against their enemies, including us. Americans should understand that we're going to try to get it done before August 31st Biden said it if we don't we'll determine at the time who's left and if we there are American then we are uh, we're going to stay and get them out he said uh, what a total collapse of the American it's just an awful sight to see this and uh, the present uh Trump is right when he says that he should resign in disgrace quite frankly it's just appalling This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine, be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, wash Washington Detailing Center and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding.
0: <coughs> Welcome back to the Bob harton Show. And now here's your host...
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social, a new refreshing social networking platform. You can download the app from the choicesocial.us website. Coming up, we're going to visit with Katie Gorka from the Heritage Foundation. Right now we have with us Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Uh, Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance.
2: Well, the Florida Citizens Alliance is a 501 C three not-for-profit. Uh, we focus on K-12 education. Uh, we have uh, well over 110,000 people now in our active um, support base uh, and uh, work with over 100 groups across Florida. We, uh, we're big champions of school choice, and we're working very hard to get things like critical race theory and the pornography out of our schools.
1: Uh, Go FLCA is the website. It is a terrific organization, only eight years old, and I will say has tremendous influence in Tallahassee with uh, not only the legislature but with the governor and the commissioner of education. Congratulations, Keith, on everything you've accomplished. Thank you. So, Keith, uh, right now the the uh, governor said, hey, no mask mandates in October. Uh, in uh, Florida schools, uh, it's a parent's decision to decide whether a child should wear a mask or not. Uh, there's some blowback, though. Tell us about it.
2: Uh, big time. Um, I, I think the only word to uh, describe it is we have 12 counties now uh, that decided to ignore uh, the governor's uh, executive order and the, the State Board of Education rules, which have the uh, you know the power of law. And so they've just become lawless. Uh, I think the only word to describe these 12 are mutinous. Four of them have actually um, required that uh, a parent, if they're going to opt their child out, they have to get a doctor's approval. Uh, We had a case yesterday morning. Uh, This was interesting in Broward County. Um, A parent called me about, uh, oh, about 8.30. He was just really upset. His uh, son had gone to school with his with a letter in for, for, you know, a form from the parent saying that I, I will not allow my child to wear a mask so I'm opting out. The principal actually bullied the child uh, wouldn't let him enter the school uh, called the called the dad insisted that the um, the the parent come pick up his child and get a doctor's signature if uh, for, for not wearing a mask the The parent called me uh, within. About four hours, we escalated that to the Department of Education. The principal refused to sign the state notification form for the HOPE scholarship. Uh, within four to six hours, I think it was early afternoon, uh, the, uh, we were successful in getting that parent the HOPE scholarship. So uh, that is there, is a, there is a, a solution, but it shouldn't have to be that way.
1: right? So for our listeners' benefit, uh, again, just a little bit about the HOPE scholarship
2: yeah, the Hope Scholarship is, uh, is an amazing tool that parents have. Um, if, if a parent believes their child is being threatened or intimidated by literally anything mm-hmm. uh, happening on school property, example, forcing the, the child uh, and, and uh, harassing the child over a mask, as an example, uh, then all the parent has to do is uh, uh, pull down a state notification form from the Florida Department of Education website Sign it. Send it to the principal. The principal is legally required to sign it. They do not get to say no, and when they do, the child is eligible for up to an eight thousand dollars scholarship per year to send their child to a private school. What if the so a, uh, if that uh, it's an amazing opportunity. Yeah. Um, uh, we've been uh, uh, Pastor Rick and I've been actively advocating for parents, you know, uh, uh, for for a long time. But and over the last six months, we've probably had a couple dozen cases. Uh, in the last week, I'm getting three or four calls a day where parents are finally uh, learning about it and understanding the power it gives them. So it's uh, it, it, it's it's a shame that it, uh, we have to go to this links, but um, these these school districts there's twelve of them now that are just mutinous. Uh, I mean, I don't know what uh, what other way to describe it.
1: Yeah, lawless indeed. So uh, hopefully, that vice principal will have some repercussions himself for his behavior.
2: Uh, I would hope so.
1: So uh, you know what? What are we doing now to try and uh, uh, overcome this resistance?
2: Well, the state board of education uh, at four o'clock the day before yesterday held it, uh, its at second emergency meeting in, in in about two weeks, and they gave uh, the commissioner of education. We have a law in Florida. For those interested in the number, it's one zero zero eight dot three two. But it, but it basically does is it gives the uh, Florida Department of Education. Uh, over oversight responsibility, and when we when you have a school district uh, that is repeatedly failing to follow uh, law, uh, then uh, this the uh, Department of Education, Commissioner of Education, uh, has the authority to investigate them and then recommend to the state board, um, you know, actually withholding funds. And so, uh, what, what the state board of education did two days ago was really kind of up the ante they gave Corcoran, who's the commissioner of education, the authority to do this, but they also encouraged him uh, to to assess whether the the situation was grave enough that the uh, that, that the commissioner should be recommending to the governor to remove um, the individuals involved so that would be the school board and the superintendent from office Wow um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out um, this has got to end up. In, it, this has got to it, end up in
1: court. And quite frankly, and I, I hope that the court will support Governor DeSantis' position, which is basically a the, the parents, not the school system, should make decisions with regard to the child's health.
2: Yeah, I actually, uh, I, I too thought it would uh, go to the courts, uh, but it turns out that, and if you remember back when, <clears throat> just shortly after DeSantis got elected, he fired uh, Sheriff Israel and he fired a a. a, a superintendent up in uh, in the panhandle yes uh, school superintendent it turns out that that, that that the court that hears these uh is the florida senate hmm. and not not this uh, i had a conversation yesterday a lengthy one with uh, the governor's uh, senior education aide uh, alex kelly and he reminded me uh, i had i just not focused on it that uh it is the senate that uh, the Florida Senate that will hear that case and decide whether the governor, if he decides to fire those folks, is is justified. So that's kind of interesting.
1: Certainly is uh, so interesting. Yeah. Hey Keith, listen, before I let you go, uh, I wanted just to get get an update from your your challenge that you have going right now.
2: Yeah, we have a challenge to raise one hundred and seventy five thousand uh, dollars. Right now, we're setting at about ninety eight thousand against that. Um, we have within that challenge. We have a special challenge from the Wasi Foundation, uh, which is out of Minnesota. And if we raise twenty-five thousand of new money, they will write us a check for an additional twenty-five. So, uh, if we make their twenty-five uh, uh, and get their additional twenty-five, that'll put put us at right about one hundred and fifty. Uh, and and we still have roughly six weeks to go to raise the remainder. So uh, right now we're focused on trying to get uh, new supporters. Um, so we encourage anybody who's willing to uh, to support uh, you know the the good work we're doing. Uh, we're, we're we're actually had some major wins here um, in, in in the last month or so. Absolutely. So uh, anybody who's willing to uh, to make a donation uh, will actually help towards us getting that WASI grant and uh, putting us over the top for our 175 k challenge.
1: So, again, uh, goflca.com is the website. and strongly encourage you to consider a contribution for a great organization. Keith and uh, others, uh, senior executives, or Pastor Rick, don't get paid for this. They go up on their own nickel and do all this work, and they've been extremely effective. I encourage you to support the cl- cause. Goflca.com is the website. Keith, always appreciate your commentary. Thanks so much for joining us.
2: Okay, hey, thank you, Bob. You and your listeners have a great weekend.
1: You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, Katie Corka, She is with the Heritage Foundation. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. to the Bob Harden show. And now here's your host,
1: Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse. I proudly served as board chairman for the first 15 years of his existence and very proud of everything they've achieved. I hope you'll visit the website, uh golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seat Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Katie Gorka. She's with the Heritage Foundation. Katie, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Great to be here.
1: Thank you, Katie. Tell us about the Heritage Foundation.
3: Well, it's the the biggest and I think the most influential conservative policy think tank um, in the United States. And it's been around for about 40 years, and I've been with them for about a year and a half, and they're doing great work to defend the the idea of the American founding.
1: Absolutely. Again, heritage.org, I believe, is the website, heritage.org. So, Katie, uh, you wrote a column, uh, The Great Parent Revolt. Of course, parents are right now concerned about what's happening in public schools. Maybe you can tell us about it
3: yeah I mean this past year has just been amazing. I think a lot of the uh, sort of parent awakening took place last year with the closure of schools and the perception by many parents that teachers and teachers' unions uh did were not putting children 's interests first but were more concerned about their own you know health and safety and and you know um you know you had those cases where you had like teachers disappearing for vacation instead of teaching school so that started it but what also happened is that with kids at home sitting in the living room sitting in the dining room doing their classes online parents were hearing a lot more of what their kids were being taught and they did not like what they saw, so this has really i think led to what I call the great parent revolt i think it 's been an an incredible awakening of parents to the content that 's being taught to their kids and whether you 're talking the sort of hyper sexualized content. Or the inappropriate content, um, a lot of the critical race theory content trying to teach kids about, you know, trying to tell white kids that they're uh, inherently racist and black kids that they're victims no matter what they do. Uh, parents don't like it and they are rising up to protest.
1: And it's a good thing you can see parents at school boards sometimes overtaking the school board and shaking and chasing the uh, school board members out of the uh, uh, arena there. So it's. It's so interesting to see. And by the way, it, it, to, it appears to me to be bipartisan.
3: I think that's right. I mean, I think, um, you know, I, I mean, I would say I think there's more activity on this on the right, at least when it comes to the content. But when it comes to the school closures, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I've had people in Florida say to me uh, education was probably the key issue that got DeSantis over the line. Um, you know, the f- in Florida, people really treasure, especially, you know, um, the African-Americans. Those education savings accounts are really precious and valuable to them. And so when, when the other candidate threatened to take those away, you know, I think that was a really important factor. And and I have to say, this, the whole school choice issue, where Florida has been such a leader, that's another issue that's really sweeping through the country with a number of states instituting uh, those educational savings accounts where the money follows the student rather than the school.
1: Very refreshing, isn't it? I just got off the, the. Uh, uh, you know, we had Keith Flaw, and he's the co-founder of the Florida Census Alliance. Point being is that now parents are starting to take care, of, take advantage of the HOPE scholarship in Florida. Uh, parents uh, say their kids are being harassed by being asked to wear masks and so forth. And uh, all you have to do is to sign a piece of paper, and they don't have a chance to review the case. They simply have to acknowledge and allow a HOPE scholarship, which allows a, choi- a, a parent to choose a school of their choice in order to, uh, to uh, uh, go to school. So I think it's just a great program here in Florida, and I think it's going to probably catch fire now that we have all this uh, activity going on with regard to not only the mass but also the school content.
3: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Well, Florida has just been a leader in so many respects. I mean, the other the other great recent move of Florida is the new um, Excellence in Civics Education Initiative, which we've been watching very closely, uh, which DeSantis I think signed just in the last month or so. Um, that's also been a really important move. You know, one of the I think one of the reasons. That our country is in the mess that it's in right now is because we we really sort of dropped civic educate civics education. Yeah. Um, you know, we we made this massive investment by the federal government in STEM, and it was civics that really paid the price and got cut and minimized. And so people don't understand the principles on which this country is founded, and they don't understand that those are the principles that are going to ultimately get them what they want, which is really a, a truer equality for all people. You can't mandate it, but you if you hold up to these principles, um, that's going to get us there a lot faster than the ridiculous critical race theory.
1: Absolutely. Katie, uh, maybe we could take a step back, and one of the things uh, because this is uh, your area of expertise, What are the things that concern you that are generally going on within the public school systems across the country?
3: Um. Well, I think absolutely the um I, I, oh boy that's such a good question there's so many um I, I mean, know it's, it's, for me the most the most the broadest concern is that this sense um that you really get from the teachers' unions and some of the teachers, okay, not all of the teachers but some of the teachers that somehow they Are the ones with the primary responsibility for our children. Mm. And it's not, it's the parents, right? And this is supposed to be a partnership. And I think somehow there's this sort of power play and this arrogance that has arisen that allows them to push parents out of the way. And I think that's one of the things that has to be. Um, addressed, but in terms of actual content I mean, I mean the things that are most concerning to me, I would say that the 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 really hyper sexualized content in some of the literature that 's being given to kids, I would say uh the curricula being pushed by planned parenthood which which you know p- pushes abortion, and then I would also it has to be you know critical race theory, which is just you know in spite of what the left tries to tell you, critical race theory is Marxism. It is directly opposed to the ideas of the American founding, and it will only divide us and destroy us.
1: Absolutely. I'm just so glad that you reviewed that for us, but you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, we have a a parental right uh, law that's been passed here in Florida, and really outlining the rights of parents when it comes to uh, public schools and public education, and I think it's really important at this time that that it, it stands.
3: Yeah, and I I think that you're absolutely right, and I think it's it's super important that parents understand their rights. I think a lot of parents get intimidated by schools. I mean, I've heard stories of parents who've said, you know, they've wanted to go in and sit in the classroom and listen to what's being taught, and they've been told they can't do that, that it's too disruptive. Parents have been told they can't see the curricular materials. Parents need to understand their rights and reassert their rights, and, and sort of reestablish a more balanced partnership between parents and teachers.
1: Absolutely. Katie Gorka, again, uh, research fellow with the Heritage Foundation. Heritage.org is the website, the very robust website, Heritage.org. Katie, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
3: Thanks so much for having me.
1: My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Bob
4: Harden. Thanks
1: so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of an organization I greatly admire, Less Government. Seaton, thank you so much for joining us.
4: Good morning, sir.
1: Tell us about Less Government, Seaton.
4: Yeah, we exist through this side scope, and sphere of influence of government, and there used to be a whole bunch of people that were, too. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, right now the
1: tide's going out, and things aren't working as well as we'd hope, but hopefully we'll have uh, uh, some coming to the rescue here in the next election cycle. Uh, you wrote a column, it's on lessgovernment.org. D.C. is ensuring ins- only billionaires can get a loan in the name of helping the little guy. It's always the case, isn't it? Maybe you can tell us about it.
4: Yeah, Let's go back in time and go through the timeline of what happened. Okay, let's go back to 2008 when the housing crisis happened. Why did the housing <clears throat> crisis happen? Because big government and big banks colluded to where they cut deals, where every time a, bank wanted to, a big bank wanted to acquire a little bank, the government made them. Make more and more and more mortgage loans to people we all know couldn't pay them back. It was the Community Reinvestment Act in 1977 under Jimmy Carter and Democrats that started this problem, which was they started forcing banks to make mortgages, give mortgages to people everybody could look at and could tell couldn't make the payments. Then Government created Dodd. I mean, uh, Freddie May and Fannie, Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae. and what the, that was the deal they cut with big banks, which was okay. We're going to make you make these mortgages to these people who can't afford them, but then we'll buy them from you. The government will will, will have them, and so of course the, the banks figured out a way to make money on these things with mortgage-backed securities. Mm-hmm which is they put together mortgages, put hundreds of mortgages, thousands of mortgages in a security. And, of course, at first it was a good investment because, you know, the, 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 they were only making loans to people who were going to pay their mortgage. I mean, everybody prioritizes their mortgage, and back then they had good requirements, 20% down, you know, uh, a certain income level as a percentage of the price of the house. And then we got to the point where because they were making so much money on these things and then the government was buying them afterwards, they kept making worse and worse and worse loans. Uh, Ninja loans, no income, no job, applicant. And that's ninja, no income, no job, applicants. Um, Bad credit ratings, uh, no income. They let you put welfare payments down as income towards a mortgage. And then, of course, the... Because then, of course, that ultimately collapsed in 2008. Well, then, of course, the government blames big business, big banks for doing what they forced them to do. And they passed Dodd-Frank, named after Chris Dodd, Connecticut senator and Barney Frank, Massachusetts uh, representative. And in the name of, you know... Reining in big banks and too big to fail, Dodd-Frank killed thousands of small community banks right. because they couldn't afford the, the, to, to, to continue to exist under the new regulatory regime. And the too big to fail banks got 20%, 30%, 40% bigger after the law. Right. That was supposed to address too big to fail the big banks got bigger and thousands of small banks went away they just got crushed and and steamrolled out of existence it was the small banks that loaned to community people who couldn't get bank loans from big banks like wells fargo and and, and j p morgan chase and all these big banks It was the community banks that lent to the community. Right. Meanwhile, because the interest rates are so low and the cat gains rates are so high, billionaires are borrowing money to continue their lavish lifestyle and paying no interest, deducting the interest, and that way they don't have to sell any of their assets and pay the cat gains tax. So the billionaire banks are lending to billionaires and of course there's only so much money to lend and if the billionaires are borrowing it you can't borrow it to expand your business or start your business or do any of that. So it's becoming this big giant big business big billionaire big bank big government crony fest where they're only lending to each other and we can't get loans. So then the payday lenders get involved. And the payday loaner, lenders are the are the guys you have to go to when you pay a pretty high rate. And the only reason people are forced to go to them is because government killed thousands of community banks that were lending to them before. And Dodd-Frank killed all those. So now we're going to payday lenders. And then Sherrod Brown is leading the charge. He's a Democrat senator from Ohio. But it's a bipartisan piece of legislation yeah. where they're going to rein in the outrageous lending practices of, of payday lenders. Yeah. So they killed off most of big banks' big uh, competitors in the first go around with Dodd Frank. Now they're trying to, in, in bowling parlance, pick up the spare by passing legislation to kill the remaining small lenders that will actually lend. To the little guy and not just with the big billionaires
1: yeah you know I'm, i'll make this point uh... You, this is a great example of how government works actually uh... big businesses uh... big banks for example in this case actually don't mind this legislation even though it creates a lot of work a lot of lawyer time a lot of accountant time in order to comply with these regulations they know it's going to put competitors small competitors out of business it's just going to comp- uh and the only
4: people who can afford big government are big business.
1: Exactly. And so uh and this is just an example in, in the banking industry, but you know, it happens all over the place with regard right. to uh putting putting small uh players out of business.
4: That's right. That's right. And 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 again, of course, Sherrod Brown is a is a is a populist, you know, uh Democrat, uh but not to be confused with a populist Republican. There there are substantial, significant differences, and he's a populist Democrat, he's doing this in the name of helping the little guy not be trapped in the debt cycle of payday lenders. Well, they wouldn't be going to payday lenders if you hadn't signed on to Dodd-Frank and killed thousands of the small banks that were lending to these people 10 years ago.
1: Right. And of course, the, these payday lenders usually the loans are for a few days or a couple of weeks or something like just so people. It's
4: to get you to your next paycheck or whatever. Right. So the interest rates are high because the loan term is so short. Exactly.
1: But the amount of interest paid is not that substantial because it's just because it's
4: so small. So three days, four days, right? Two days. So yes, the number is huge, the percentage, but the you know, and again, who's gonna you know is a even a small bank. I mean, unless you get, like, a home equity loan, you can't dip into your, you know, there's no bank that's going to lend you money for three days or two days. Right. They just won't do it.
1: Right. See, this is such a, so informative. I really appreciate the the conversation. Before I let you go, though, I just want to get some sort of reaction to what's been happening here in the country, especially with regard to Afghanistan.
4: Well, I've, I've been screeched at by, by, conservatives all week for my reaction which was thank god we're the hell out of there yeah now how he did it was completely ridiculous and stupid and dumb but you know i've been watching this for 20 years we've been ripped off by by hundreds of thousands millions of afghanis for 20 years yeah and I don't want another American wasting another second risking their lives to help these people. They've ripped us off. They've stolen from us. They've, you know, the the, the president that we established there took off to the United Arab Emirates with $169 million. Yeah. Gee, where did he get the $169 million? Oh, he got it from us. Yeah. And, and the whole thing is just, you know, we were paying... Thousands of soldiers, thousands of cops that didn't actually exist. Um, you know, the, 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 there's a guy named Sean Purnell. He's running for Senate in Pennsylvania. And he relied on a translator for two years that he thought he could trust with his life. And then he finds out he's working with Iran to plant you, uh, Yeah, I, saw, I Iran, saw. you know, and, and killed two of his buddies.
1: I saw in, that in Afghanistan.
4: interview. I don't trust any of these people. I, there's no way we can vet them and no, we're going to bring in hundreds of thousands of these people and their families. We have no idea who they are and what the, you know, most of them were on the payroll stealing from us, probably Whitey Bolger style, giving informant information that we already had anyway just to get paid. I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm, disgusted by the whole, and it's bipartisan, it's four administrations, you know, the re, you know, they said, why didn't you pull up the equipment? Because we had to pretend they had an army and we had to equip them. Yeah. If we'd pulled out any of the equipment, we'd be admitting, yeah, you know, because you know, we'd be like, wait a minute, you're pulling the equipment, the Afghan army needs it. Uh there really isn't an Afghan army. <laughs> yeah. We just lied and said there are 300,000, but really we were just wasting billions and billions of dollars pretending there was one. You know, it's, see, just, it's a giant scam. And the military-industrial complex ripped us off for 20 years, and that's
1: plenty. Okay. Seaton Motley, again, the founder and uh, president of Less Government. You can visit lessgovernment.org and Less Government on Facebook. Seaton, always appreciate your commentary. Thanks so much for joining us.
4: Thank you, Bob.
1: My pleasure, indeed. Coming up, uh, former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity?
2: When they say three hundred dollars shoes
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob you. Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board. One of the programs is policies and programs to help get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us.
5: Well, thank you, Bob. Uh, Always nice to be uh, heard and uh, uh, with you on a Thursday.
1: It is Thursday, and it means it's uh, time for Bill Barnett. So, Bill, uh, Teresa's back, she's uh, holding meetings, Uh, any thoughts?
5: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I got a lot of thoughts, Bob, I don't know how much I can say on the air, (laughs) I would say that, well, Monday they had a workshop, and uh, she got on her soapbox about, uh, it's good to be back, and uh, we're gonna make a lot of progress, and we're gonna do this and do that, and we are going to be careful with the agendas uh, starting on Wednesday. Um, so Monday's meeting went uh, till ten o'clock. Okay, started at eight thirty in the morning, went till ten yesterday. Ten at night. They, so yeah, so at night, yeah. Wow. So 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 then yesterday, um, uh, and, and you know, first thing in the morning, she's saying, okay, so we're going to move a few agenda items around and uh we're going to uh my de- my my goal today is that we're going to be done at four o'clock well, we might be might be five or whatever but pretty close to four we will um we should be done well i'll tell you what bob they they, they left so many agenda items off of there yesterday when they ran out of time again uh that it was it was unbelievable and when they got to correspondence and communication one of the agenda items was to discuss the powers of the mayor, okay? Now, it had been put off twice already um, by her. Um, I don't think she wants to discuss it. Um, and um, so she tried to do it again yesterday, and she got, uh, she got caught. Uh, Gary Price and Ray Chrisman, you know, said, no, no, listen. You, you, you're not going to discuss this now and, and when we're at the end of the meeting and uh, it's correspondence communication. Um, this is set up for a full-blown discussion and uh, and we're going to have it. And so they they put it off for another meeting, but they're not going to let her duck around it. Um, and then she was yesterday complaining bitterly. She's trying to get the uh, uh, our human resources and... Um, our risk manager to find coverage for her because of her legal bills for whatever they are, she wants the city taxpayers to pay them. So uh, that didn't go over very well, and they didn't have a long discussion on it. But that also will come up at a at a future meeting. And then the ethics commission, uh, they spoke yesterday or or on Monday about where the two hundred thousand that they got is going and what they're doing. And yesterday, Bob, it got it was there was so much mumbo jumbo uh conversation that i don't think uh an attorney could understand what they were talking about um (laughs) so i i don't know i think mike mccabe for once uh got it right when he just said he feels like we're using a sledgehammer when you need a fly swatter so it was a it was it was interesting but you know what bob she's she's just operating with smoke and mirrors period
1: yeah it's a shame. Uh, and again, for our listeners uh Teresa Heitman, of course is the mayor of Naples right now and bill's reporting on the the last couple of meetings so uh that's so interesting going into the to the uh, new year well what's it now is, aren't they covering the budget at this point?
5: yeah, they did the but they 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 covered the budget on monday um they they had the presentations anyway, but the actual budget approvals. Um, will be in September as always.
0: Hmm.
5: So um they they asked for a lot. I mean we didn't go item by item, but uh there is a lot of there's a lot of things in there that the that the staff made good presentations for, you know, what they needed and uh so I don't know what the what the final will be, but um it will be uh, in September. I think they they have two meetings in September that for the but for the actual approving the budget so it'll be it'll be posted so uh, uh
1: what did she run on what was her uh platform for running a, for mayor a, in the city of naples
5: oh i you know i i don't have it here um i've still got her brochure well the thing she ran on was the city of naples is broken <laughs> and she was going to fix it okay um and and the and the things that she said you know well people keep keep asking well what's broken well it is broken there's too much growth there's this there's that you know things that she had no control of doing anything about anyway and if there was something that she could do they were already being done by the prior council by our prior councils that already started half these projects that she's still that they're still going back and forth on and taking credit for yeah um and and uh Uh, You know, so you hear that all the time, but they keep taking items and moving them from from, you know, like from the top to the bottom, from the bottom to the middle to, you know, and then the next meeting and um, and then there's a whole list that needs to be done. And I feel bad for Dana for our interim manager. You know, they're still working on getting a new city manager uh, through a search firm. And my understanding is they've had three responses Hmm. So, um, you know, and then the attorneys um, now need more money because they realize that they just don't have enough of their staff to be able to handle the litigation and everything else. So I'll tell you what, it's a zoo.
1: Yeah, unbelievable. So, uh, Bill, the beat goes on. Yeah, And, and, uh, well, we'll see how this all ends up. But it's uh, it's so fascinating, quite frankly, to see uh, how this is all going. And... uh, yeah, I just don't know where it's going to end up.
5: Nope. Uh, what do you think about the, you've been following, I know you've been following the uh, Afghanistan uh, uh, situation, and uh, what are your thoughts?
1: You know, Bill, uh, I, I'll say this, and I, I meant to mention this early in the show, but uh, we watched, I don't know if you've ever seen Tucker Carlson today, but it's a streaming program that they, they do uh, on Fox. And uh, she interviewed, he interviewed, uh, Laura Logan and she was of course the uh, former member of 60 minutes and uh, she's a, a pretty well-renowned uh, reporter she's very smart right and uh, she did a section on Afghanistan she did a thing on what's happening right now in the United States and around the world it was so fascinating and I want to recommend it to our listeners and to you bill because I think you'll really really enjoy it uh, because yeah
5: we'll, we'll have to we'll have to watch that I I just um. I mean, it's just pretty. It's very sad, Bob. Yeah, sad for the veterans, you yeah. know. Yeah, that see that. But I think we all knew that eventually it was going to happen and it had to happen. You can't. I don't think we could keep our people there forever and ever and ever. You know, it seems like they had been, but I think the way it was done was just was some really really poor planning period. What else can I say?
1: Absolutely. I don't know why you take the military first out. You take, you get the people out first and also the equipment or destroy the equipment or take it with you. Whatever, right. And then, uh, get the military out. The military, now they br- have to bring them back into a worse situation they would have confronted had they been there in the first place.
5: Right, right, exactly. Your, and, um, you know, the bit about the Taliban, uh, uh, is going to be more, um uh, Uh, is going to respect women more and let them have jobs and whatever i i i have a hard time believing that absolutely
1: ironically i mean we sent the money to pakistan pakistan funded the taliban we've paid for both sides of this war (laughs) right right ended up leaving in the middle of the night bill barnett again former mayor of naples i just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show thank you so much for joining us
5: Thanks, Bob, and I appreciate being on the show. You you have a you have a really good uh, next couple of days, and stay dry.
1: You as well. Thank you, Bill. All right. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to have our United States Congressman on. Uh, Byron Donalds will be joining us. William Yateman is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. We'll be talking about current events. Michael Cannon, research fellow, uh, I should say he is the director of health studies at the Cato Institute. And Joel Griffith uh, with the Heritage Foundation will be joining us as well. well. be talking about the infrastructure bill. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.